This is the Off Mic Podcast, a radio show about radio life. Here's your host, Drew Dalby. Hi, I'm J.D. Anderson, Program Director and Regional Cluster Program Director for Alberta Northwest Territories for Vista Radio. That is a exceptionally large title. It seems to get longer every single time it changes. So, yeah, I'm, I'm running out of air just saying it. I'm glad I don't have to say it too often. The font on your business cards must be ridiculous. I try to keep it small, small in stature like me. <laughs> Where does J.D. Anderson decide that he wants to get into radio? Where? I think I was probably 20 years old, man. And, um, you know, I always loved radio growing up. I would listen to the radio as a teenager and I would always always be paying attention to rock music in fact the same radio station that you're working at right now is the station that made me have a real passion for radio i would listen to the rock music and especially the new music coming out and i would i was kind of such a radio nerd back then that i figured out the radio station's rotation so if one of my new favorite songs was playing at seven o'clock one night i could tell you exactly how long i had to stay up the very next night to hear that song again and be able to (laughs) record it on cassette so there was a lot of nights where i'd be laying in bed on a school night with the radio turned it down as quiet as it could be that it wouldn't tip off the family so i could still hear that music so uh, that was the passion for radio but i never really thought i would go into it as a career i was always a smart kid in school and i didn't have to work very hard to get sick grades And when I graduated high school, I went off to U of S and um, tried a year of commerce. I wanted to be that guy who wrote those awesome beer commercials that you saw on TV. And (laughs) after trying that and getting a nice letter from the U of S saying it would be good that you didn't come back next year, I decided to take a a year or two off. And and, uh, that's where I kind of thought about radio. I thought, hey, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. So I applied, and my girlfriend was living in Edmonton at the time, so I applied to Nate, was able to get into the program, and after that, it was just just a nonstop love for the industry that we work in. See, and I was going to ask, because most people on the show that we talk to that are from Saskatchewan, grew up in Saskatchewan, or even Winnipeg, when it's time to go to radio school, the majority of them go to WABC, but now we know you went all the way to Alberta for a lady. I chased a girl. Yeah, I was I was happy with it, too. Obviously, I know that um, WABC has turned out a lot of great talent when I think about it. You know, people like Danny Rose, people like Andrew Beckler. Um, but for me, I really was drawn to Nate just because of the two-year program. So I was actually looking at longer programs that were, I think, in Winnipeg at the time as well as Edmonton. But chose Edmonton to chase a girl. Worked out. It, it worked out. You still with her? Yeah, not by her choice, more by mine. So. <laughs> boy, Way to yeah. stick it out. Yeah. So when you get to Nate, uh, again, you didn't really have a background in radio, didn't have a family in radio or anything like that. So this was your first experience for the most part. Did you fall right into it? Like when you got there, did it just make sense? Did it click or did it take you a while? Uh, I was pretty nervous when I first got to Nate. There was this guy in the semester ahead of me named Drew Dalby, and I was just thinking to myself, oh, man, I I have to be like that to succeed at this? Oh, man. No, See, we uh, don't have to talk about the fact that I was ahead of you in radio school, considering the between the two of us, only one of us has hired the other. <laughs> hey, your day is coming. We all end up working for each other in this industry, right? So I'm just biding my time, man. Uh, no, in all seriousness, it was, uh, it was a passion right away. It was... It was content that um, interested me greatly. And it's kind of funny because, you know, it's a great program there at Nate, and they evolved so well with the times. 
but something that really stood out to me and I didn't really know much. I was always thinking about programming and music and being on air, but you learned all facets of radio. And I was remembering the tours of the radio stations in Edmonton that we used to go on and seeing how much money the sales guys made. I thought, whoa, you can make money at this? Jeez, yeah, let's do that. So I can remember telling people all through Nate that I'm going into sales, I'm going into sales. And there's a point where you actually have to choose right before you go on an internship um, what you want to put your focus to. And going into that meeting, it was sales. And then in that meeting, when good old Patrick Galenza, the program head at Nate, asked what I wanted to do, I blurted out on air. And I don't regret it for a day. What what made you think of that all of a sudden? You said you had this, this sole focus to sales had you been doing i know uh, nate has the radio station there nr92 had you been doing shows uh, outside of your regular on-air shifts yeah absolutely anytime that we could get some extra on-air time um you know my my radio buddies there in the program we would team up and we would put on our own shows and uh, i always enjoyed it in fact there wasn't an area of radio that i didn't enjoy um purposely i guess i was always looking at sales because of money but at the end of the day um, the reason that i went to nate in the first place was because i wanted to be on the air i wanted to be around the music and programs so i guess that's the that's the way it won out in the end and it was great the final chunk of the two years at nate is obviously the work placement and some people struggle uh, with that because they've got to move away from Edmonton. They've got to move away from home. People have these delusions, uh, myself included, that they'll just get an internship in Edmonton and go right into the major market. For you, having come from Saskatchewan, did you just kind of have the whole country open to you in, in terms of where you were looking for your internship? No, not at all. Obviously, the girlfriend was still at school in Edmonton, and um, I didn't want to be too far away. However, I mean, everybody in radio has those radio stations that are the dream stations. You wanted to get there. You wanted to work there. Um, So I was certainly applying to all of those stations, hoping for internships there. Some of them worked out. Some of them didn't. Um, But I didn't want to be too far away from Edmonton. So I was looking at places like uh, Lloyd Minster, Red Deer, you know, some of those smaller market stations where back then it was more likely that you could wind up with an internship there. And I can remember applying numerous times and making many, many phone calls and hoping to get in at this radio station in Lloydminster called The Goat. And I could not get a single call back from the program director at the time. And um, Pat Galenza, obviously program head at Nate, I remember the meeting, I had to sit down with him and tell him which area I wanted to put my focus to. And he asked me how it was going, trying to line up the internships, and I kind of gave him a month date. Well, I have one lined up in Regina, but it's putting away CDs for, you know, three, four months, and I was really hoping to get some on-air experience. And he asked me about Lloyd Minster, and I said, I can't get the guy to call me back. So he picks up the phone, makes a phone call, has a five-minute conversation instantly with that program director in Lloyd Minster, hangs up the phone and, uh, hey, is this PG? Are we allowed to swear? You can do whatever you want, man. Uh, all right. So I remember Pat looking me in the eye and say, internship's yours. Don't fuck it up. <laughs> 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 and at that point, I had never had a conversation with Mr. Glenza like that. But, um, you know, I have so much respect for the guy. I think he's just a phenomenal phenomenal guy to train people and uh, I certainly appreciate what he did getting me this internship in Lloyd Minster because I've spent my entire career at that very radio station I went to do four months for free at. And now who was the program director that he had the conversation with? 
ah, that was my mentor, Gruff Gishnowski. So uh, it just turned out, and I'm not going to mention names here, that there was an intern at the GOAT at the time. It wasn't working out so well. Uh, that person may or may not have been fired from the internship. So I, I had to go in there and, I guess, try not to besmirch um, the mate name, I guess. So you get this phone call made for you. You're a made man at this point. You make your way out to Lloydminster, which, like you said, perfect for you, just a couple hours up the road, less if you don't care about driving within the speed limit. (laughs) You get to the GOATs, and what does the program director, what does Gruff say to you upon welcoming you there? Because like you said, it took somebody else calling him personally to get you in the door. Yeah, you know what? He was great about it. Um, if you've ever met Gruff Krasnowski, he's one of the, the nicest and most genuine people that you will meet in your entire life. Um, you know, that guy taught me so much about radio, probably even more about being a man, which is which is something I'm always going to be indebted to him for. So, uh, you know, as far as lucking out having him as my first PD and as a mentor, uh, it couldn't work out better, but I remember sitting in his office and him explaining, hey, you're here for four months. We've got fantastic people here. We've got a great reputation here. Just be a sponge. Learn as much as you can. We're going to give you opportunities to you know, practice up your craft so that when you're done with us, you know, you'll be able to go and, and make a career of this. And I was just going there to do overnights, right? Midnight to 5.30 a.m. Um, but I just remember the excitement. I just wanted to be on the air. So I spent the first few days just kind of shadowing some great talents that they had at the station at the time. Um, Troy Riggs at the time, I believe his name is Troy Vincent now, and is working down in Lethbridge. You know, Cash Michaels, Poncho Parker in the afternoon, uh, Jarrett Schaefer, who is out in Kelowna now, I believe. So, I mean, this is a station in Louisbinster that has had some phenomenal talents. I don't know about that Trudalby guy, but um, come through the doors. And it was just one of those uh, perfect opportunities where you could go in and learn from some veteran folks. And that's exactly what I did with that four months. And thankfully, it worked out at the end that they were able to hire me on. First time you got to crack the mic on that overnight shift. Overnights are, are a little different than the other day parts because... Even in a town that's as buzzing as Lloyd Minster, especially at that time, you know that the audience is not huge at, at midnight or three in the morning. Did you still have nerves the first time you got to crack a real mic on a real station? I don't think the nerves will ever go away, man. I think um, after all of these years, a decade or more into this industry that you know guys like us are in, and, and um, I think you should still be nervous every time you crack that mic. I think those nerves always make you strive to be better, right? Um, you know, you want to work past those nerves and that helps you behind the microphone. But yeah, I was absolutely nervous. I remember I had probably two pages of notes on things to do and not do. And right before you cracked the mic, I was reading those things like a, like a school nerd, right? I was, it was my Bible, things that had been, you know, just passed along over the previous few days from the on-air team in Lloydminster. So um, I wanted to take all of that knowledge that they shared and put it to work. And, and uh, I can remember that first shift just being so much fun. You know, it's obviously midnight to 530 you should be tired, but I think I had energy that entire night just because it was. It felt like the start. It felt like the start to uh, what I hope to be a long career. Now, I will uh, attest to GOAT listeners are passionate to a fault when it comes to their station, and if they don't like a guy, they'll let him know, and if they do like you equally, they are very quick to tell you that you know, you're awesome, you're great, whatever. 
that first four months where you're doing the overnights, did you get much interaction from from the herd, as they call them? I couldn't believe it. I had so many phone calls in the overnights. Um, it blew my mind. Um, some of them were very strange. I'll completely admit that. I had some of the greatest memories come from those phone calls in the overnights. But um, I was, I don't want to say I was lucky, but I didn't try to make waves. I just tried to go out there and be fun and entertaining and, and be quick behind the mic. And it worked. You know, I can say that there was a swing announcer at the time who was a great talent and, uh, you know, a, a personality. Out of all of the people that are announcers, he was certainly a personality. And he was one of those guys that people either loved or they loathed and you know I would get phone calls telling me oh you should go replace that guy but <laughs> at the end of the day they still listened to that guy because he was such a personality um, you know so I always always have uh, a world of respect for that gentleman it's always funny with radio listeners at the goat here at the wolf anywhere where they love the station but if they don't like a guy they will absolutely let everybody else know that they don't like it's like that person as a human being with feelings and emotions doesn't exist to them to some of them anyway we're like items on a menu board and if they don't like item number seven they will they will make fun of it they will yell at it all these things so i just i laugh when you said that they would call in to talk to you about how you should replace somebody else or i mean we've all had it when you when you move to a different day part or a different station people are like i'm never listening to the station again it's like no there are still really nice people and talented people that work there you shouldn't abandon them just because you liked me or didn't like me yeah, absolutely. And I think um, most people aren't thinking it along those same lines that guys like us are. You know, they're just thinking of what they do like and what they don't like. And you know people, when they like something, they're not as quick to speak up about it as if they don't like something. If they hate something, they're very quick to be vocal about it because they hope to affect some change. But at the end of the day, um, those loyal listeners weren't going to turn their back on a radio station just because of a, a small dislike that they ha- might have had in one area. Um, you know, so uh, obviously those people that are being disliked are leaving an impact. They are getting the word out there. And uh, if you have uh, a conversation with many program directors out there, yeah, that's maybe exactly what they're shooting for in some of those areas. Now, normally on this show, we talk about, okay, you went to radio school. What was your first job? When did you move away from your first job? You're still at your first job. So geographically, we're, we're not going to travel too much here, but <laughs> your path from where you are now back to being the overnight intern has taken a few twists and turns. So your four months is up. This is a practicum they didn't even want to give you, not because of you, but just because of some bad experiences. At the end of the four months... How does this turn into full-time employment? And did you stay on the overnights after once they hired you on? No. Thankfully, I was able to move off the overnights. But um, there was a lot of stress towards the end of that internship, obviously applying for anything that was out there. I wasn't having much luck. And uh, at the time, I can remember having a conversation with Gref Kishnowski and him asking me, hey, how's the job search going? And I had to be honest and say, you know, it's just nothing so far i'll have to figure something out um and then on the very last day of my internship called into the office and i was informed that they had created a junior swing position at this 
small market radio station for me. They didn't want me to go anywhere else. They wanted me to be able to stay and continue to work hard. And um, I think that goes to the, the, I guess, the limitless areas I was willing to go when I was an intern. Obviously, um, I realized I wouldn't learn much in the overnights being in the building by myself. So I would go there in the daytime and try to learn as much as I could and soak up as much as I could and, and made an impression. So junior swing, I did that for maybe one or two weeks. And then the senior swing ended up getting um, a really great job that was ideal for them. So I was the only swing after that. And that was a position that I held for probably two years in Lloydminster. Um, you know, I, I kind of one of those guys that I think once you get something, you're always looking for that next opportunity. Okay, what's that next goal? What do I what do I work towards now? And obviously music was always important to me, so I wanted to be the music director. Um, so I would put in as much volunteered hours in that music department as I could. So after a few years, I was able to be elevated to the middays and music director in Lloydminster. And I did that for a few years. Um, you know, obviously keen on programming, um, you know, bided my time and a, a assistant program director title opened up and I was able to move into that role. And uh, obviously, once you're an APD, you're always eyeing, eyeing up for that opportunity where somebody hands you the keys to the programming department for a radio station. Uh, truthfully, I didn't know if that would ever happen here in Lloydminster, so I was applying for other positions um, whenever they opened up across Canada. And uh, it just did work out that the program director title opened up here in Lloydminster. I was able to move directly into that role. And uh, that was a dream come true. I can remember, um, you know, just thinking to myself, wow, I started at the very, very bottom at this radio station as low as it goes. And now I've, I've attained exactly what I wanted to. And uh, I think that was only about four or five years um, after starting in the industry. So I thought that was pretty pretty impressive so uh, it was fun yeah short of sweeping floors and washing dishes not that anybody in a radio station ever actually washes dishes you, you couldn't have really started out any lower on the totem pole so to end up where you are i have to ask though so you're you're struggling to find your practicum at nate and you end up having to have this awkward conversation with the program head pat galenza and then you get the internship and that's about to end and you haven't had any luck finding a job and now you've got to have this awkward conversation with your program director gruff kushnowski and that works out into you getting a, a job paid job did you have to have an awkward conversation with someone before every one of your advancements or or did that stop there? I'm pretty sure you know from having this conversation with me that every conversation with me is an awkward <laughs> conversation. But um, yeah, it seems to be a bit of a theme, doesn't it? But at the end of it, it, uh, it worked out. I'm thankful that it did, that um, I was able to leave enough of an impression on these individuals that they believed in me to be able to put me into the positions that I had been able to earn, I suppose. So, um, you know, there's been a lot of people that looked out for me throughout the entire career that I've had, and I'm just so thankful, right? Now, talk about the roller coaster of emotions. If we can go back to, to that second conversation, the one with Gruff, where you walk in there thinking, I'm, I'm like a day away from unemployment, having to go back to my family or go back to my girlfriend, and I got no money, you're working for free, I can't imagine you had much in savings. And all of a sudden, not only do they, they offer you a job, but they've created a position specifically for you. How long exactly was the touchdown dance when you walked out of the office? <laughs> 
I remember grabbing the phone and just calling everybody that I knew, hey, I'm staying, I have a job, this is perfect. Um, I truly thought that I was going to be moving back to my family farm down by Regina in your neck of the woods there, um, you know, doing what I could down there, looking for any type of job, moving as far away as I had to from my family and, and girlfriend at the time. Um, you know, it was, it was terrifying, absolutely terrifying. So I was, I was pretty ecstatic when I got that, uh, that conversation with Gruff. You go from the overnights, from, uh, from the wrong end of sunset to the middle of the day, the midday show. What did you find to be the biggest difference in, in moving to that bigger day part? Vitamin D. <laughs> um, obviously, during the daytime, you were getting uh, more interaction on the show. Obviously, you were able to go and attend a lot more events within the community. Um, it felt like you were able to be more involved at the end of the day just because you had more of those daytime hours and you weren't focused on having to go get some Z's just so you could be fresh for the, the overnights. But um, or the evenings and the weekends. Obviously, that was pretty exciting. You know, after working evenings and weekends for a few years, you're pretty excited to be able to go and have a Monday to Friday gig and uh, be able to get more remotes and things like that. So, I mean, that's what you think about at, at that stage of your career. And then you move into the music department, like you said, and it's the young people coming up in the industry or people that have never done any kind of programming in the industry they look at it and they go, oh, the music music department, that'd be fun. You know, you, you you listen to tunes and you get to talk to bands and you get free stuff from the label. You go to concerts. It's super easy and great. But you know, uh, and now I know doing it myself because I used to be one of those guys. There's a lot of work that goes into it. What was your favorite part of being a music director other than the free stuff? Oh, sitting there listening to music, putting together a music log, a well thought out music log where you're looking at every song position and making sure that every song fits for all of the goals that you have for the radio station. I mean, scheduling a music log is in the situation where you just push a button and let the computer do the work. A lot of thought goes into it and should go into it to make uh, the station sound the best it possibly can to reach as many people as you need to reach. Um, that's my favorite part, still is. And obviously, sitting down in the music meetings, listening to the to new stuff out there and being able to um, you know, help some of these young bands achieve their dreams, right? And the GOAT, at a time, was one of the, the leaders in the industry in terms of being that station that a, a band that was in relative obscurity could get on the GOAT and then they'd get picked up by the Wolf or, or the Bear in Edmonton. Like It was a station that... It was a rare situation. It was a station that bigger markets were looking to for what they were going to play next, whereas normally it's the small markets look at the big markets and just copy their playlist. What were some of the bands that you were most proud of that you were able to sort of bring to the forefront with the GOAT? Oh, let me put some thought into this. Um, you know, truthfully... Some of the names have completely slipped my mind because of all the years that it's been, but I can remember one band out of BC and they had this this unreal double kick drum to their sound and it was just fast paced and crunchy guitars. Um, and I can remember them coming to Lloydminster and putting on shows and, and doing an amazing live show. Um, you know, I don't think there was probably any one band. I think it didn't matter whether they were Canadian or international. It was just being able to introduce a new sound or a new artist to people that were trusting you to supply them with exactly that. That was 
that was exciting to me. That was absolutely fantastic. However, um, in this day and age, I can even have conversations with former programmers from the very radio station because back then we had massive libraries, thousands of songs. And now you just kind of shake your head thinking to yourself, why did we have so many songs? Why were we playing so much music? Um, you know, it's just in this day and age, a tighter library um, sticking with the hits, the songs that people absolutely know and love, goes a long way in building that that audience that you need. So now you can sit there and smile that that's how we were operating and being successful with it. That was that was absolutely great. That was that was a lot of fun. You made that move from the music department from the midday to an assistant program director job, and you'd said that programming was something from an early point in your career that you were interested in. Now you were finally getting a taste of it. Was this still under Gruff? Uh, APD, I was under Grant Biebrick, actually, a program director that moved from here down to Regina. I think he's another gentleman that hired you as well. Yeah, people just keep making the same mistake all along the way. But um, once you got to work beside Grant and, and start to learn some of the office stuff, for some people, it, it, getting the APD, is, it's a terrible move because they realize just the scope of of what that entails being on the programming side and you'll see people that are, they'll be named APD and it, it doesn't last long they flame out but some people take to it almost immediately where did you fall on that spectrum I think I took to it immediately and I think that um, it didn't matter what I was doing at any stage of my life I was always trying to be a leader I'm very competitive that's something that if you ever meet me you'll learn that about me I'm very very competitive I want to win no matter what I'm doing so uh, you know if you're working on a team or as part of a team you want to be able to help lead that team and point people in the right direction and you know work together and uh, figure out what your goals and, and achievements need, need to be to reach those goals. And I was always one of those people that I wasn't afraid to, to lead the charge in order to get a win. Did you know once you became the uh, assistant program director, did it take long before you, you, you said earlier, you wanted the keys to your own station. Did it take long? Did you, did you have to work at it very long before you thought, uh, started thinking about what could be? Yeah, I think it was a few years. Absolutely. I had a lot to learn. Obviously, when you take on a, an APD role, and even sometimes when you take on a program director role, you still have a lot to learn. I don't think there's ever a day in this industry where you shouldn't be going to work um, thinking you know everything because there's always, always a lot to learn. But I can remember probably being a year, year and a half in thinking, okay, now's, now's the time. I want to be able to make some of these calls. I want to be able to, to uh, lead as a program director as opposed to augment. And um, yeah, so I would say it was probably about a, a year and a half in that role before I, I really felt confident in myself to be able to be that program director. And then you got the opportunity. How did it come about that you actually moved from midday APD to full-time program director at the GOAT? It just so happened that the program director at the time um, had received a really good offer from a rated market. I didn't know it at the time. I thought, okay, well, chances are I'm going to have to leave this market and this station, and that made me sad, but I didn't want the opportunity, so I was applying elsewhere, and I remember being called into the general manager's office, and the general manager sitting me down and asking me what I wanted to do, and I told him I want to be a program director, and all of a sudden he said, well, how would you like to do that here? And I said, oh, 
yeah, hell yeah, of course. I didn't really know how he intended to make that happen. I thought there was a program director at the time, but that's when the news, <laughs> that's when the news came out. Um, Your first job is to walk down and fire the other guy. <laughs> yeah. No, thankfully, that was not my first job as program director. It was always sad to see you know, uh, long-standing team members leave, but always nice to see them move on to big challenges um, and something that they had worked towards and earned. So um, I was happy at the opportunity and, um, you know, scared at the same time, but very, very eager to succeed in the role, right? What was the feeling the first time you got to sit in the big chair? Probably thinking, oh, I should have Lysol wiped this thing first. (laughs) (laughs) No, um... It, I think it probably took a little while to, to uh, sink in. I mean, at the time, Lloydminster, small market radio station, as far as a market this size, it was fairly uncommon for there to be off-air program directors in a market this size. Usually they're pulling a shift and being a PD. But, you know, we were a very successful radio station, so the, the PD was off-air for a lot of years. And I can remember for the first month or two months, I had to still pull a shift until I could fi- uh, find somebody to replace me on the air. And um, so I, I guess probably it wasn't until I hired that person, that first hire that made you actually feel like you were wearing the big boy britches. And, you know, hey, I'm, I'm hiring people now. This is cool. Or, hey, I have final say on what music ads go in this week. This is awesome. Um, but at the same time, I think you had to always be humble about it. And that was always something that um, program directors uh, before me kind of bestowed upon me you know they always say you know when you're small act big and when you're big be humble and that was something grant bebrick was uh was great to leave me with some parting knowledge on that and i thought that was great who did you hire to replace you on the air first hire was a guy by the name of andrew beckler and um andrew came to us from smithers bc and he was a Saskatoon boy. He was very, very eager. I can remember talking to numerous people people for the role, maybe people that had a little bit more experience than this guy, but I couldn't deny his energy. Um, and he just seemed like such a, a fun guy to have, um, you know, in, around you. And it was a fantastic decision. He's gone on to have a hell of a career, that guy, moving from small market to, you know, major market in Saskatchewan, then into major market Edmonton, and then from Edmonton to Calgary. Um, He's just a remarkable talent. So it worked out, because I was thinking, like, when you hire somebody to replace you who started overnights and went all the way to running the building, like, that's those are some, well, they're not big shoes, because you've got small feet, but they're, you know, it's a large True. role. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, at the end of the day, they always say hire better than you, right? So that's that's the goal that you have anytime you need to fill a position. Um, you look for people that um, can do your job or be better than you. And I think that's that's qualities that I look in people every single time I have to hire for a position. Um, you know, driven people, people that are respectful and understand that they have to be part of the team and, and put the team goals before their own goals and their successes will come with team successes. And I can tell you that Beckler was certainly a guy that, that – uh, certainly lived up to that now as a program director i want to go on on both sides of the spectrum here and i'll let you pick which one you want to talk about first what was the what's the thing you're the most proud of that you've instituted or executed since you took over the goat and what's something that you can look back on and go we could have done that better Hmm. good question let's take uh 
the Christmas wish. I certainly didn't institute this. This was something that was instituted before I was even an APD. Um, and it's a, a program that has had so much success in Lloydminster where to this day, people are fundraising on their own outside of the radio station, I mean, within the community for the cause that we have because we've been able to do so many life-changing things with this initiative. But when I first took over the Goat's Christmas Wish, it was just a few years into the program. I think the first year I took it over, we probably had uh, maybe fifteen or $20,000 raised. And then grew that year after year all of a sudden the next year it was 30,000 after that 40 and then 50 um, we had a few years at 50 and then we had a year that was um, over $70,000 that we were able to put back into this community granting wishes for people that were really really struggling and you know all about that I mean you were part of some of the biggest years that we had with the goats Christmas wish and it just leaves an amazing impression on the community, but I think the biggest impression is left on the people that um, put all the hard work into it and see what you're able to accomplish with all of that hard work. It's the best bit in radio. I'm on record as saying that multiple times. More stations... I'm not one to advocate for ripping off another bit or another station, but more stations should be doing the Christmas Wish uh, the way it's done, especially in markets the size of Lloydminster. I mean, it's just... It has a profound effect on the listeners and the staff. It's unbelievable. Yeah. As for question number two, what could we have done better? I, I can't honestly tell you one thing. I'm kind of one of those annoying people that it doesn't matter how good anything went. I always want to do it better. So the moment I finish it, um, it's kind of one of those situations where I try to rip it apart and see how it can be improved upon for the next time that we execute it. So I can't give you an example of exactly what one thing was, but... Um, probably one of those anal assholes that uh, <laughs> should kind of sit back and enjoy um, enjoy those successes before you try to figure out how to improve upon them. I just want to thank you for not taking the easy joke and saying hiring me. <laughs> I don't regret that for a day. <laughs> not one day has gone by that I regret that. In all honesty, I think uh, you know. I think you are the epitome of what people need to hire: people that are extremely driven, people that. I don't think are, I don't want to say not happy with what you have, but what you have is great. You always have to be looking to what's next and working towards that next goal. And you've always done that no matter where you were or what you were doing. So, you know, I look at what you're doing now and how far you've come, especially from Smithers and Nate and, and Lloyd Minster. I'm damn proud of you. Thanks buddy. Uh, you have the sort of experience that most well almost nobody coming into radio now is is ever going to have in that you started at a station that was independently owned and watched it go from independent ownership to a small company to Vista Radio was becoming a very large company now spanning the country uh, with stations all, almost all the way across what has been the biggest difference in your opinion in your eyes from the old days of independent ownership to where you guys are at now? I guess the biggest thing is maybe as an independent, you're used to having that station owner in the building. And if you want to spend some money, you just knock on their office door and you beg them. Um, Obviously, when you do go to corporate, there's a lot more people that have to sign off on things. And I don't want to say more red tape, but certainly it takes a, a few more channels to get some of those decisions made. Um, I will say that, you know, working for an independent was 
was such a neat experience. But at the same time, you're always looking at what it's like to be in a big company and, you know, being able to transfer from location to location and, and grow and develop with that company. As an independent, you are looking for other radio stations that you can move into. So um, I think it's really neat to have the best of both worlds. But um, I can speak for Vista Radio being a family in the sense that we try to grow our talent and be able to advance our talent. And once somebody has, you know, I don't want to say peaked in one position, but um, grown as much as they can in that role and mastered that role, we want to be able to continue to grow them with the company and give them another opportunity within the company. So um, you're used to the family being small when you're an independent, but as you join a company, that family gets a lot larger. Do you think that we're going to start to see, uh, we're already seeing significantly less independent owners uh, across the country than even when we got into the industry around the same time. Do you think that independents are on their way out or do you think that we might see a return to that down the road? I think it's a tough kick at the can, man. Um, obviously, you're seeing fewer independents applying for license or I mean, even getting licenses. I think um, the larger companies have it down to a science as to what they need to put into an application and what research they need to do on a market to be able to prove their case to win a license. Um, I certainly hope hope that people don't stop applying for licenses, doesn't matter where it is in Canada, um, as independents, because I think that's, that's important to do. Um, but at the same time, I can see how difficult it can be as an independent to be competing against some of those, those larger companies. But, you know, in a lot of cases, some of those companies that start as independents end up growing into becoming larger companies, right? So I guess that's where some of the places have gotten their start. Now, I want to start to wind down here. Uh, the first one I want to ask you as, as we, we wind down, you have worked your entire career at one station. Now, you said you're, you're a bit of a anal guy. You know, you look back at everything, <laughs> you analyze uh, decisions and outcomes. Have you ever looked back on your time and felt like you maybe missed out on not having that traveling circus experience that most radio people have? Not at all. Uh, throughout my career, I've had opportunities to leave the market that I've been in, but I always told myself, if I am going to leave, I feel it had to have been a better situation. I've never come across a time where I felt it was a better move or a better situation for me or the family. But I've had a lot of great experiences, uh, yes, just working at a Lloydminster solely my entire career, but, you know, through the company that I've worked for, I've had a lot of great experiences in in traveling all over Canada, helping to prepare stations for launch, building stations from the ground up. Um, you know, not a lot of small market um, PDs have had that opportunity. Um, I've had the opportunity to work with other program directors in other markets and grow them and grow their talent and see them experience the highs of new successes and new levels of success. That is awesome. To me, that is joy. I, I to be honest with you, I, I get more of a high off of watching somebody else succeed than I probably do myself. I just uh, something that I've always enjoyed about being a program director is watching people um, achieve their goals and the, the happiness it brings them. Um, but yeah, I've worked in Lloydminster my entire career, but I've seen a lot of the country all because of the uh, choice I made to stay here and with this company. And I, I always had to feel that I was being given 
new opportunities and being given the opportunity to grow and be grown. Um, and, you know, Vista Radio has been phenomenal to me that way, certainly giving me a lot of opportunities and taking me a lot of great places and continues to do so. And now all these years down the road, you're, you're settled, you've got a house, you've got a kid, you've got this woman that I still can't figure out has stuck with you this whole time. Blackmail. <laughs> That's the only thing I can guess. Um, are you open to leaving Lloydminster? Do you still have that mentality that if a better opportunity were to come along, you would be ready to move? Or is Lloydminster now, for lack of a better term, your home? Yeah, Lloydminster was never intended to be my home when I moved here. You know, like everybody else, I thought I'll go into a small market and leave after a year. Um, but it became my home, and now it's it's a place I'm proud to call home. I can't tell you what tomorrow will bring at the end of the day. Um, I, I'm never going to tell you that um, if an opportunity comes knocking on your door where it's a, it's a situation where you have the opportunity to grow and, and achieve new heights, um, do things that you've never done before. Maybe there's a burning passion to achieve things that you can't in a current role. If that ever comes down my way, certainly, absolutely, I'll, I'll consider it. But um, it's one of those situations where you're happy, you're not necessarily knocking as much as you were in those first few years getting into radio, knocking on doors to make those opportunities happen. Um, you hope that you can maybe achieve a level of success where those people will come knocking on your door and then you can pick and choose about which is the right one for you. Well, if your next opportunity enables me to have a bigger opportunity, I'll give you a call. But until then... <laughs> Uh, okay, I, sounds good. I'll let you know. Every PD has a radar, a, a list of people that are out in the industry that if something came along, they would love to snap them up. But especially being at a station like The Goat, which has been such an amazing stepping stone station for so many talents in Western Canada and, and across the country, you kind of have to look at those fresh talents that are just coming out, looking at even smaller markets for an opportunity to call them up. Is there anybody that you'd be willing to mention that you you look at out there as somebody that people should be keeping an eye on in the industry? I'm not going to share those names with you. Damn it, nobody do ever that, does. I'm going to lose out. <laughs> I'm going to lose out on being able to bring them onto one of my stations. So um, I can tell you that there's a lot of fantastic talent in small markets. Um, and those, those are the people that go there to hone their craft. And sometimes they're in situations where maybe they're not getting the direction that they need to get to that next level. And I can tell you that there's a lot of people that um, I think you're one of them that go into the, one of those small markets. Maybe they weren't get as, getting as much direction as they wanted to, but they go and hunt for the direction from other places. So I, I've had quite a few people knock on my door. I've had quite a few people send me emails just asking for my two cents on where they're at and what they should do. And uh, I think if anybody does that and you can hear them grow and continue to improve after you've had that conversation with them, those are the people to keep an eye on. Uh, it's the people that go to those small markets and don't put in that effort to really market themselves that uh, maybe those are the ones that you want to avoid. Uh, since you're going to be a wuss and not tell me your, your up-and-coming prospects, how about some of the folks that you work with, uh, be it at the GOAT or some of the other Vista stations that you oversee now that you're, was it Major General Corporal of Western Canada South or something like that, your, your giant ridiculous title? Regional Cluster Program Director, Alberta Northwest Territory. That's the one. Uh, some of the people that you, you're proud of that, that are working for you right now. 
I think you have to be proud of everybody who's working for you. God, stop being such a wuss. Hey, uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, it's unfair to to really shine the spotlight on on any single one of them because they all come to the come to the radio station every single day and they're all soldiers for you. You give them responsibilities and sometimes you give them more responsibilities when you need a little bit extra help and they don't question it. So it would be unfair to put the spotlight on one single person when every single one of them is your soldiers and they'll follow you in a battle every single day. I can't be mad at you because I knew you weren't going to answer, but I had to ask anyway. Uh, you know me. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I, I think we're going to wrap it up. Uh, is there anything uh, you are a guy that is hiring for a lot of stations and giving people their, their first shot sometimes when they're coming out of these radio schools? Our audience is, is big in those radio schools. Is there anything you would say to them as people who may be sending you resumes in the near future? Absolutely. Um, you know, I think at this point, don't be afraid to move into those small markets because there's guys like Drew Dalby, myself included, where you're coming out of school, you want to stick close to home, you want to stick close to those major markets, go to the small markets. Be willing to put in a few years if that's what it takes because you get so many more opportunities there than you will um, in the trenches in a major market, right? So go and get those opportunities to make yourself better and apply to all of the small markets out there and go there with an open mind, learn, become a part of the community, focus on what is important to that community. And when you become successful in that community because of those things, that's when you're going to get those next opportunities that you've been working next, uh, you know, eyeing up for your next move. J.D. Anderson, Program Director of 106.1 The Goat in Lloydminster, and I believe every other station in Western Canada, if I, if I understand your title correctly. <laughs> thank you very much for coming on the show, man. Hey, thank you. Appreciate it, my man. Always great to talk to you. And the last thing we have to do before you go, this whole thing started with you talking about how music was so important to you. What's your spin of the week? I've got to go with Silverchair Anna's song.
the show online at off mic podcast on twitter or like the show on facebook if there's a guest you'd like to hear on the show email off mic podcast at gmail.com the off mic podcast is a part of the dolby radio network